What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Hey everyone, welcome to Top Rope Nation. This is episode 95 of the Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Podcast. So glad you could join us to talk all the latest in professional wrestling this week. My name is Ryan Drosty and I am joined here by Kyle Ross and Justin Joint to break down all the latest what's going on in the squared circle this week. And uh, Kyle, you just got in. You had a kind of a night out tonight. You're looking pretty spiffy here on our, our live video stream on Patreon. What's going on tonight in Cleveland? I'm not a bad looking man. I'm just going to bottom line it right now. I mean, you're looking Shawn Michaels 1996-ish right now. Jesus. I mean, I don't know. Playgirl magazine might be calling. How did you know that was a girly magazine? <laughs> you had to leave through to find out. <laughs> it all comes back to Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Again, a week later. Like, I, as much as I absolutely detested Shawn going, we have something in America called the First Amendment, and then completely misrepresenting the First Amendment in that promo against Bret, the you had to flip through the pages to get a look, didn't you? Is an incredible line. <laughs> that was pretty good. Night after Mania 13, folks. Check it out. <laughs> and Mr. Justin Joint, who uh, is also on the live stream here, he's in the same building. He's changed locales, so it's a different backdrop than we're used to seeing. Justin, how's it going across town? Good, good. Hopefully I'll be able to move back into my usual spot during the course of this uh, this show for those watching. Justin was kicked out of the room because his uh, family members are watching Game of Thrones from Sunday night, which I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I know Justin yeah. is. Kyle, do you watch Game of Thrones? Absolutely, I do. Oh, yeah. I, 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 would, I certainly do not study it as hard as I do the sports yes. professional wrestling, but I go back and rewatch old episodes. Yeah. Like all the time, like random episodes to see if there's anything I can pick up. Nice. Yeah, we. I don't think we ever really talked to you about it much, so we have to bring that up in the tech stream. I know our boy uh, Derek Schrappel, Top Rope Nation per- producer credit for being a supporter on Patreon. He is a uh, he is a massive Game of Thrones fan, so we're usually texting back and forth about it. But uh, Justin, I ho- I hope you can move back into the other room before the night's over. 
Me we'll too. <laughs> a little more comfortable than where you're at right now, I think. Attractive from all angles, though, in my opinion, Justin <laughs> Joy. Love them with all my heart and soul. Billboard model, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, um, I want to get all of our usual things out of the way right away because we got a new review from iTunes I wanted to read on air. But uh, speaking of iTunes, if you are listening there, hit subscribe, leave us a rating, hit the five star. It helps us out. We got a review this weekend just a couple days ago. This is from FNP89, whose subject line is professional and fun. He says the hosts are obviously longtime fans, but what sets them apart from most is how professional everyone is. There is no talking over one another, and everyone makes valid points. Truly a great podcast for smart wrestling fans. Awesome review. Thanks a lot, FNP89, for sending that in on April 21st. Greatly appreciate it. Um, if you guys leave us a review, we will read it on the air, just like we did this one. So hit that up on iTunes. Of course, we're available on Stitcher Radio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. In fact, the only place, guys, we're not available is iHeartRadio. I can't tell you how many times I've submitted our podcast to iHeartRadio, and it never goes through. I don't know what's what's going on out there, but this, uh, pretty much the only place you can't find us is iHeartRadio.com, but everywhere yeah, else... Kyle does not iHeartRadio with all his heart and soul. <laughs> no, I don't. I do not iHeart those guys. They have some really low quality podcasts on their podcast feed too. I got to say, when I look up wrestling shows, what the hell are these guys doing? How did they get on here and Top Rope Nation is not on here? I don't know who's screening those submissions, but we're every on every single other service, I'm pretty sure, other than iHeartRadio. But for some My God, reason, he's shooting. For some reason, we can't get through. So, yeah, check that out. And, uh, guys, what app do you usually listen to the show to if you listen back to your performance weekly? Just we never talked about that before. Justin, I used to be a huge listener of the show before uh, you started joining us as a host in January of 2017. What what app did you use to listen? iTunes. Yeah. I uh, don't because I, I listen to everything at work and I just got a little speaker I carry around with me and listen th- via Bluetooth. Nice. Then I stopped listening because uh, I, I hate listening to myself, but uh, you guys sounded good with Joe the, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. Yes, the man, Joe Dorian. Getting him back on real soon. Um, I also, when I listen, I don't usually listen to the whole show back, but sometimes I'll put on my car like the morning it's released to see how the mix sounds because I'm a geek and I spend hours mixing the show every week. So make sure the audio quality is up to par. But I always use uh, iTunes also or Apple Podcasts on my phone. That's the easiest one, guys, to leave us a rating because if you just go to the show page on uh, Apple Podcasts, around the iPhone, you scroll down, there's the stars, just tap the star. That's it. Five stars helps us out. So um, before we move into the wrestling news, hold on one thing. Yeah, I get a special all 22 tape of the broadcast every week. (laughs) The unedited version from afar. Yes. Uh, If you want to see the unedited version, though, guys, that's another thing I got to talk about is Patreon. So I mentioned a second ago, we're live streaming right now on Patreon and uh, we do that every week. So if you want to be a fly on the wall as we record, you get access to the exclusive video stream of the show it's the only way you can see the video version of the show you get it before the general public we're recording thursday night this will go out on friday uh you can get that for just one dollar a month and honestly every single person that signs up to patreon really helps us out uh, because we've been doing this show now for almost three years i'd like to see the show expand i'd like i have some things in my mind i like to do as far as you know improving our quality doing more live streaming 
but I'd have to upgrade some of my computer software to do that. And that's not free. So if you enjoy what we're doing, if you can help out, honestly, a buck a month helps so much. If you want to do a little more, uh, I've got a deal going right now on our Patreon page. It's only until the end of April. I am giving away free t-shirts, Top Rope Nation t-shirts, courtesy of Pro Wrestling Tees, for everyone that signs up at the $5 tier. So for five bucks a month, you guys will get a free t-shirt. You'll get a Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. You'll get access to the live stream every week, just like the $1 patrons of the show. You also get access to our live notes that we use that we record the show from. You can see like what we're going off of every single week, our show notes. I post that for the $5 patrons of the show. And then also the exclusive podcast, uh, the Top Rope Nation classic show where we review old shows from the past. Uh, we've done a SummerSlam 97 show before, a SummerSlam 91 show. They're a lot of fun. Uh, and then Top Rope Nation Extra, uh, which we just recorded an episode of that last week. And guys, I have to say, I listened back to that one. Right after we went off the air last week for the regular Top Rope Nation, we hit record again. We did Top Rope Nation Extra for Patreon, and it was Justin and myself reviewing the Jake the Snake Roberts Dirty Details tour that we attended last week. Kyle stayed on for the fun, and I don't know what you guys thought. I thought that, especially on the second listen, that was a pretty damn funny show. <laughs> Justin, did you enjoy it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime I get to talk with you guys, last. <laughs> it uh the language is a little more coarse than our uh, usual show that we send out to the world because it's only for Patreon supporters. But yeah, for five bucks a month, you get access to that exclusive show. You can hear the Jake Roberts show we recorded last week. And like I said, I'll send you a free Top Rope Nation shirt in the mail. So honestly, what do you have to lose? Five bucks, you get the shirt, you get the exclusive content. You can see if you like what we're doing. If not, cancel. And you're only out five bucks, you got a t-shirt to show for it. So we're really relying on you guys to to keep this podcast moving forward because honestly, when we started this thing back in 2016, I'd put it up on YouTube. And back then, YouTube would let you share in the revenue. Now they've changed their model where we don't make any money off of YouTube anymore. We don't have enough subscribers. Um, their, their search algorithm has changed. It's harder to get views on there, as I'm sure a lot of YouTube content creators that are listening to this know. And so the only money we make from doing the show to pay the bills, to pay the hosting, to expand on our equipment is through you guys. So honestly, if you like what we're doing, I'm giving the hard sell this week. You want to see the show? We're almost ready to hit 100 episodes. If you want to see the show hit 200 episodes, we need some support from you guys. So whatever you think you can throw our way, patreon.com slash top rope nation. All right, let's get to the wrestling news now. So um, breaking got to mention this right off the right off the bat it seems like lately whenever we're ready to go on the air on thursday night some major news breaks and uh i don't know how major this is but it's interesting another wwe agent is out the door kyle what did you read on that you want to share it with our listeners dean malenko or as dave melter would say dean simon did i get that on the camera sorry i switched screens there dean simon in parentheses um is gone quit don't have a lot of details right now, but yeah, just another, uh, obviously Arne Anderson was a producer who was let go under, you know, different circumstances. Um, we don't know what the cause of this was, but, um, agenting was not a particular strong suit in world wrestling entertainment in I'm recent not- years. I'm not going to like finger him in particular. Uh, there's one guy who I respect a lot on Twitter. I follow Alan Cheapshot who like hated Dean Malenko 
as an agent. Didn't particularly care for him as a wrestler either. But um, so I don't know. We shall see. I don't know if he'll be missed or whatever, but he's uh, out the door. Hopefully he has a easier time getting out than uh, poor old Luke Harper. Mm, that's another one. <laughs> we well, talk about that. Yeah. Luke's more valuable. Huh? That's true. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, think, I mean, I think you I have mean, yeah. It's true, but it's also it's head scratching because then why aren't they doing anything with the guy? You know, like you feel for the guy because he wants to do more. He's super talented. He's one of the better big men that they have. I mean, they have a talented ras- ro- uh, roster all around. So obviously, sometimes it might be a little hard to find something for a guy, but he's been on the roster for a long time. They've had months to think of something for him as he's been out with an injury and they split up the Bludgeon Brothers and everything because of another injury. Uh and he he requested his release, and instead of giving him the release, reports are WWE has added six months to his contract from when he was out of action, which they have the right to do. Yeah, and you know I get why they would do that, but it's just like the basically at this point they know he's leaving, so they're not really going to do anything of even remote significance with him. On you know, and he's going to be there until almost re- next year's WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So it's similar to like what happened with Neville, where uh, he couldn't get out of the contract for a long time. His contract was frozen. It seemed like he was never going to leave until finally he worked out something with him, luckily for him. But it's frustrating. I mean, I I feel bad for him because, like Justin said, they're not going to do anything with him. He could be doing so much more. And I don't know if this is a sign that obviously they're thinking more about the competition. And here's a guy who could go elsewhere, but uh, they, they don't want to lose him, evidently. So I wish they would do something with him. Um, the roster's too big, man. They have too many people under contract. And, you know, there's a lot of guys we talk about in this situation, guys that are unhappy. You know, I I, I think if you're a dick, you could have, like, taken my take on Ty Dillinger as not being complimentary. But, you know, I, I didn't see Ty, quite frankly, as a guy who was a difference maker in the WWE. It's like you look at that roster. Who, who are you pushing Ty Dillinger above mm-hmm. in a key spot? Luke Harper's a guy who does deserve a better lot in that company. There's no doubt about it. You know, has he, remember, what was that? 2017. Remember they, uh, on SmackDown, they did that weird thing where it, it wound up building to AJ and Shane McMahon at Mania that year, where AJ, they were like trying to determine a number one contender, but they they wound up not doing it because they did the uh, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt split. Mm-hmm. And this, in a convoluted way, led to AJ and Shane. But remember how the crowd was really behind Luke Harper? Like, he was working AJ in contender matches, and the crowd was super behind him, and he had momentum, and it seemed they lost it around that time, and it just seemed like it never came back. I know the Bludgeon Brothers were a pushed act. I did not love them. It was just basically the Wyatt family, Sam's Bray with a fresh coat, with just kind of slap a coat of paint on them. Um, but Luke, yeah, Luke, I, I really wish we could have got a chance to see him shine in a meaningful way as a single. I think so. We were kind of high on the Bludgeon Brothers, like when it first started, but it was an act where when they were before they were champions, it was cool. Yeah. And then when they became champions, it was like, now what do we do with them? Kind of thing. Yeah, because they kind of just like ran through the tag division and it was like it just became very repetitive, I think, yeah. their act. Yeah. So. And I don't think that's Luke's fault. I just think it was a, a an issue yeah, where yeah, it's they a just, gimmick. Yeah, they well, they just sent them out there to do this kind of the same thing. There was no depth to the gimmick whatsoever. Yeah, 
And you, know, you talk about the frustration. Sasha Banks, that's another one. I mean, Sasha's out, and I saw a report the other day that uh, she's she's willing to sit out her contract, uh, which, you know, if she's out, I'm sure they can freeze that one too if they wanted to. I mean, th- this is not new when I hear these things. I mean, you know, it just takes me back to WCW when, you know, people were trying to jump off that ship, you know, 98, 99. And they had, I mean, WWE's roster, I mean, it's crazy. Who would have ever thought that there would be a more bloated roster than that 98, 99 WCW roster? But here it is, this one. I mean, when you include like NXT and stuff, it's not even close. Oh, it's insane. I can't remember who it was. Someone on Twitter might have been Brandon Howard made a graph that showed like how many wrestlers per year WWE had under contract. And when you look at recent years, it's so much higher. It's crazy when you see it visually. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. This this all kind of flows into something I wanted to talk about later in the show, but we might as well talk about it now. Um, Chris Van Vliet, who we had on the show, I think back in early February. Did a because, great job. Yeah, great. Uh, he does great wrestling interviews. Check out his YouTube channel. He just had a really high profile one. It was published yesterday with Tony Khan, who was running with the whole Khan family who own All Elite Wrestling. And uh, it's really the first, at least video, long-form interview I've seen with Tony Khan. And uh, we know his father is one of the richest men in the world. He's he's financing the whole thing. But Tony is the guy who's in charge of everything. And he is a massive wrestling fan. It was very clear. Did you guys have a chance to watch this at all or read the highlights? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It, it's very clear he's a well-schooled wrestling fan. He's very familiar with the history of the sport and classic matches. He talks about some of the Flair Steamboat matches on the interview. Um, but <laughs> I the, almost wonder if that's like, hey, look at me. Oh, I thought like, that I thought that at first, but then when he when he started mentioning specifics of like, oh, the Chicago match and the one in New Orleans, <laughs> then I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't know exactly what he's talking. Oh, about. I'm not saying he doesn't know, but I'm almost saying like, it's like, hey, let me throw out that I like Flair Steamboat to like well, that's, earn points. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is when the, he first Chris asked him what his favorite matches are, and he says something like Flair Steamboat's always great, and it seems like, well, that's the go to for everyone kind of thing but then when he started mentioning like the locales and everything then it's like well he's legit but the reason i i brought this up is because in the interview um kind of van vliet brings up the fact that all right anytime someone leaves another wrestling organization nowadays they're talking oh they're they're gonna go to AEW, and it's, the fact is not everyone can go to AEW. No. they you know they are backed by a lot of money but they also need to show a profit so they can't sink so much money into wrestler salaries and sign everybody. So you would think like, yeah, if Sasha Banks became available, they would sign her, you know, no doubt uh, to legitimize that women's division. But uh, Luke Harper, I think they would probably be interested in. I don't know if he'd get a job right away, but uh, Ty Dillinger, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> but well, Luke, Luke Harper is friends with somebody who works for AEW. I read somewhere like one of the executive producers or something. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm sure like he's got a good relationship with Cody and, but you know, w- would they spend the money on him? He's a super talented big guy. I would think so. I don't know if they'd sign him like right off the bat. I think Sasha would be an automatic signing. Ty Dillinger though. I, I don't know. They got, they got a, a lot of guys that are, you know, that talented, that size. Does he really stand above the pack? So it's not like every single guy that becomes available is going to jump to AEW. So, well, and, and nor should from looking at it, through the other lens, AEW, and I think from, you know, listening to these guys, they realize this internally. It cannot and should not become a haven for WWE refugees. No, because like, that's what should, happened with TNA. Yeah, it just shouldn't be like, oh, look, hey, you're unhappy. Come here and we'll push you. Because then it just becomes like, hey, look, we've got all 
your favorite WWE mid carders. Mm-hmm. So, um, two. I have two other things to talk about with AEW. Two. Uh, let, you, you mentioned you know there's kind of been some stuff, uh, fluid situations right as we pushed uh, record on the show in the last couple of weeks. Uh, last week it was that whole report about AEW's TV situation, how they were allegedly going to have to pay their way on the air. There has been absolutely no follow-up to that. Didn't make a lot of sense. Meltzer, we mentioned it on the air last week, refuted it. I, I just don't think that's the case. No yeah. way. I don't think so either. Meltzer's and, plugged in with those guys. Yeah, so. And so that's the thing. Say what you will about Dave. Um, I would expect him to know. Like, this is not a story I would expect him to have wrong at all. Yeah, for sure. He very clearly is plugged in. And number three, people that are going to AEW, we should talk about this. Um, this I think is from, straight from the Observer. Dustin Rhodes going there, obviously. That is was the world's worst kept secret that he would be headed there. With him, apparently, Vince didn't want him to go. Because, you know, I mean, Vince, old school mentality. And, you know, he's within his right not to let him go to a competitor. But Triple H apparently talked Vince into letting Dustin go. Hmm. Interesting. So I think it's very interesting that they're just, like, going to that match. We all knew that match was going to happen. The brother versus brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, God, if we had a lot more time, I would love to have a discussion about Dustin early in his career vis-a-vis Cody. And how Dustin was so unfairly viewed from 1991 to 1983. How he got such a raw deal. And to me, it's so interesting when you look at Cody. How he didn't get any of that same guff Dustin got during that period. Sounds like an edition of Top Rope Nation. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we'll, actually, yeah. we'll be talking about Super Bowl two, and Dustin was there. Dustin Rhodes was really, really good in 91 and 92. And he got a lot of shit because he was Dusty's kid and he was getting pushed. Cody Rhodes got none of that. Everyone's like, oh, he's Dusty. Oh, he, you know, he oh, must know what he's doing. Second generation. Oh, you know, Cody, great mind for the business. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I've always found that dynamic so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for you don't, if you don't know what we're talking about, Super Bowl Two is our next edition of Top Rope Nation Classic. So that's why we'll I think we should that. actually never do it. We should just talk about it <laughs> the <other> time. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing it until someone joins that five dollar tier on Top Rope Nation <laughs> Patreon. Uh, I'll do it just so I can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, uh, you're a big fan of uh, early '90s WCW. What were your thoughts on Dustin Rhodes when he started out? Uh, I dug him, man. I thought he was a uh, a natural. Yeah. In the ring. <laughs> <laughs> the call in the natural. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, loved his tag team with uh, Barry Windham. Um, oh, yes. So yeah, yeah I, I never had a problem with him. I, I I enjoyed it, but I was also eleven, so I wasn't really. <laughs> you weren't a it smart with... nerdy yeah, fan. No, was... Oh, this guy plugged into the insider newsletters back in the day. No, no. Um, I mean, he caught a lot of shit on the internet back then. I mean, for what you know, what the internet or like the in you know whatever. In, you know, whatever the equivalent of wrestling Twitter was in the early 90s, Dustin caught a lot of shit. And it was so unfair because he was a damn good worker involved in a lot of great tag team matches. You know, I love the Barry team, too. And he was really good as a single in 94. Mm-hmm. That cl- that clash match with Vader, like that was something I had not watched in years. And a bunch of people were like, this is a really good match. And I threw it on. Like, my God. is this? I mean, that's like a real shining moment in that period where the great hogan takeover was beginning and it was just like so repulsive mm-hmm. to watch um that, that's a real diamond in the rough there it's from whatever the last clash i can't remember the clash number it's the last clash of 94 okay 
high 20s 20, probably uh, 29 it's, it's yeah. flash 29 okay um trying to think what else stood out from that tony Khan interview to talk about here quick because I, I do think everyone listening should watch it it's pretty yes. long like it's over 30 minutes but it is definitely worth the watch he, he doesn't want to give away too much but they talk a little bit about tv he doesn't obviously say who they're who they're talking to or anything like that uh they talk about how double or nothing yeah it's been a long time since you've seen a lot of these guys wrestle and that's by design they're trying to build up you know some hype get you ready to see the bucks and omega and cody all in action um you know he talks like anyone would that's starting in a new business in five years he wants this to be the, the destination company he talks about how they're going to work less dates on the road than wwe which is an awesome thing for those guys uh chris brings up you know the the uh, expose i guess you could call it that uh was done on last week tonight by john oliver and that that topic kind of comes up um and uh what else stands out just just overall i mean it's yeah it's it's really good and they're definitely going to be on tv i don't think it's just going to be a streaming network like for a while some people were oh maybe they'll just be streaming now they want they want television for sure but uh yeah chris went above and beyond to get this interview i think he drove like 10 hours round trip to interview him up in jacksonville at the stadium where the jaguars play wow (laughs) and uh (laughs) it turned out real well that was a good get for our guy chris van vliet so check it out on youtube uh search tony khan or chris van vliet you'll find it right away subscribe to him while you're subscribing to top rope nation while you're there oh that that is a host right there baby there you go (laughs) no professional training or anything just rolling through it uh let's see what's next on our agenda here to get off my professionalism (laughs) i'm trying to load my agenda here which by the way if you're a patreon member you could tell us you could actually literally just message us during the show and say hey assholes yeah i'm looking at your show notes right now man this is what's next it's Um, the money in the bank card i believe or no or is it the quarter quarter financials Yes, yes So WWE's quarter one financials were released uh, earlier today, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, right away, it seemed like from the get-go, WWE was out to explain why they didn't make as much money <laughs> this quarter. Uh, that's what you do when you when you don't make as much money. You got to come up. You just don't say, "Well, we're fucked." You got to well, say, guys, "Our creative has sucked." No, it was. Just <laughs> talking about the injuries. Yeah, that's why they paid George Barrios all that money so he can give that corporate speak. <laughs> does it make your head hurt reading his quotes like i'm not picking I, I think it's like indicative of a whole culture that again that this is not the podcast for me to go off on that but i just read his quotes and i'm just like what a bunch of just empty words it's like a bray wyatt promo you know he's like saying things but it, nothing's really like means anything yeah. and also uh alistair black's new uh gimmick apparently yeah that <laughs> That was bad. <laughs> Sometimes it's just better for people to not talk. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, if we could be real, just mm-hmm. they have a mystique about them. They don't need to talk. There's no reason yeah. to make it. We talked about that with Nakamura like a year ago when they were making him do those awkward promos. Yeah, they they think everyone needs to talk, <sighs> including George Barrios. <laughs> yes, who maybe shouldn't. Well, at least it's in text form. Um, so Vince said uh, WWE had an unusual situation. Talent was out. They had 15 different talents out. He said, when you don't quote, when you don't have talent, you don't have storylines. Says that now those talents are back. New talents coming in. They're going to make new stars. Now they're on a better course. And uh, in September, it's going to be a whole new ball game for WWE. And they're moving so to other, Fox. Than, other than Roman... Who really falls under that umbrella? I thought that too when he said 15 talents were out. I mean, 
so Braun missed some time late in 2018. Yeah. But, like, who are the other big-time... I, I mean, Seth Rollins was hurt, I, but he was still on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, AJ was banged up, but he was still on TV. <sighs> like, other... Like, in terms of, like, you know, you know, guys just being off TV and, like, oh, clearly they're, they miss them. I mean, they miss Roman. I mean, Raw went in the toilet when Roman was gone. But I just couldn't... It, it was nothing like... Three years ago, going into the Mania in Dallas, when they had so many key pieces out. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. It work. Like, Cena was out. Rollins was out. Um, you know, I mean, that was like, I mean, to me, when I look at the last couple months of WWE, obviously Roman, you know, that was a big deal. But um, I don't know. that, that I, I didn't think that was accurate. <laughs> from Vince to be honest with you yeah I, I would be hard pressed to find 15 that it would you know make a difference plus they this time last year they've gained Brian back who he was on the shows but he wasn't wrestling until Mania last year uh, so more interesting seeing him in the ring um, and overall I actually, no, I yeah, the storylines were kind of good going I mean like you know we talked about how that Wrestlemania that just happened in New York would largely be judged on the top three baby faces and if they were booked to go over and they went three for three. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that we expected that to light the world on fire, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, they listened to the fans. They did exactly what the fans wanted to see. This was like the fans WrestleMania. So, yeah. and the fans uh, still, and the fans still kind of complained about it, but, yeah. you know. but you know, I mean, I, I think we know, like when I, Here's a question I'll put to you guys. When it comes to like these metrics and the discuss, like these traditional metrics that we've talked about for so many years in wrestling, TV ratings, live attendance, like, isn't it just kind of like, like, I'm not surprised ever by what I read in the last couple of years with WWE. We know they're down. It's not a good thing, but like, is it fair to say that the WWE, I think I've said this before on the show, operates in within such a narrow margin, you know? Like its floor arguably has never been higher, but its ceiling has never been lower. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, th- th- these are some troubling things with the ratings and, you know, the live attendance numbers. But at the same time, they're still predicting it's going to be record business this year. Okay. Although this Saudi Arabia situation. <laughs> at least backlash is now back on, but unfortunately San Diego doesn't get it anymore because it's been delayed a couple of weeks. I mean, you can't go to Saudi Arabia. We thought that last year, and look what happened. Right after the murder of the journalist, they still did. Well, yeah, and guess what? There's been more. I mean, yeah. there. I mean, that you talk about that's bad. I mean, I think Saudi Arabia is the poster child for that's bad. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I yeah, yeah. There. That's interesting. You brought that subject up because actually, that's something that comes up in the uh, Tony Khan interview with Van Vliet is. Uh, they talk about how so many more people were watching wrestling in the 90s, but they weren't as plugged in. Like it was a, a more general audience versus yes. now it's like full of hardcores. So you have you talk about the ceiling being so high because there's so many people that are so die hard into wrestling these days and just consume so much content that they're not going to go away. No, that's the floor. That, that's the floor. Yeah, that's, that's the floor. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, it came back to me. The, the absolute 
best way to describe this. I had this discussion with a buddy. Was this, and I think I've even mentioned this show a couple weeks ago, was that SmackDown the night of, you know, because people are like, how is the WWE getting these deals? Like, because, you know, that's the other thing. They're going to have record deals and they've got a billion dollar TV contract. So you kind of have to juxtapose, you know, they've got a lot of money. Traditional metrics are bad, but they've got, you know, they found a way to get a lot of money. Um, now, if those revenue streams die, the TV, Saudi Arabia situation, then maybe there is some trouble. But until then, it's not even worth talking about. But with Smack, that SmackDown, the night of the presidential debate, mm-hmm. the, when like after Trump did the grab him by the pussy comment, <laughs> pardon mm-hmm. my French, you know, like everyone was going to watch that, right? And I think it set like all kinds of like modern TV records. I mean, all TV's down right now, but that did an impressive television number for this era. The second most watched thing on cable that night was SmackDown. And the number wasn't that much changed from what it normally is. Which, if you're like Fox and you look at this, you're like, oh my God. The most important thing in this country could be happening. And here's this entity, WWE, that really isn't affected by it. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to your hardcores thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, all TV's down. And so you got to look at, yeah, they've had decreases in ratings for a few years, but people are consuming television differently. I mean, you can go on WWE's YouTube channel and see raw highlights within minutes of it actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow them on Twitter and they're posting video clips of the show all the time. So it's not, you can't really compare to the nineties and ratings. And then if you look at like WWE in this conference call today, they had some graphics they released. And one of them is their relative viewership versus other professional sports. Now, of course they don't have the NFL on there. Because the NFL would be higher. But (laughs) compared to like NASCAR, the NBA, UFC, the NHL, like WWE's average viewership is bigger than all of them. And so that says something. Yeah. And, you know, you know, relatively speaking, Raw still does well on the cable rank rating. Oh, yeah. It's it's always top last year. It's usually always top five. Yeah. I mean, the only things higher than it are, you know, some of the top. Cable news shows like, you know, the the Rachel Maddow, Sean Hannity's of the world. But, you know, I mean, it's not great when you see those numbers go down. But, you know, they've got revenue streams. If, if you know, if they have a record year, it's tough to say. I mean, what do you, you know? It, it's a real dichotomy WWE is going. I mean, they are the first wrestling promotion that can kind of just get this guaranteed money in spite of how their storylines are doing. Yeah. I was just getting distracted because I'm looking at Justin's video stream and it looks like a lightsaber laying on the ground. I'm not. Yeah, I know. Sure I don't know. I, right yeah, yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's a play. I'm pretty sure it's a PlayStation controller. No, it's his microphone. Is it? My God, pipe bomb. <laughs> Justin Joint just dropped a pipe bomb live on Top Rope Nation. Oh, no. He is assumed position on the couch. Justin oh. has moved. He's moved to his usual spot. I'm back, baby. There we go. It was his oh, microphone. Yeah. Right now. Like. And better than ever, <laughs> face facts. Eric Bischoff. We're not going down that road, are we? No. Uh, let's go down that the money. That was a good the... song, and I don't care what anyone says. It was a good song. I'll agree. Uh, yeah, let's go to the uh, Money in the Bank card taking shape. Let's talk about this, because uh, WWE, man, right off the bat, they're going with AJ and Seth Rollins. We talked about last week breaking down the superstar shakeup and which brand had the best potential matches, and obviously Seth and AJ is one of them, and the first wait, wait, pay-per-view, wait, 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 wait. the first one after the shakeup, we're getting AJ and Seth Rollins. <laughs> Justin, your thoughts? Too soon? Uh, no, no. Give it to me now. 
<laughs> Give it to me now. Yeah. Like it. Should, yeah. Uh, let them have let them have a couple great matches and keep going. Yeah. Kyle, would you have saved this one? Are you you glad they're doing it right off the bat? No, I think it makes the most sense to do right now because you know you need a raw title match on that show. Um, and there was not an obvious contender for Seth. I mean, you could always do a Brock rematch, but I don't think really anyone wanted that. And there's pr- there, if the Saudi Arabia show happens, when it happens, you would assume Brock will wrestle on it. And they might just do that there. Um, so I want to talk about this match and go back to something I said last week that when I mentioned Seth and AJ, to me, it wasn't like this huge long-term thing that you build to, which I guess goes to your point that you just asked now. I don't see it as quote-unquote that match. So I think it's fine that they're doing it right now. It makes a lot of sense. People should like it. Um, As to how good it'll be, it could be great. Um, You know, AJ to me, kind of over the last two years, has been more good than great, though. He hasn't been having those high ceiling matches with the exception of that one on SmackDown against Daniel Bryan. Um, last October, but uh, it should be good. I mean, it's a fresh matchup too. We've never seen them work. I, I don't believe so. Um, it was logical, and the crowd was into it on Raw in your home yeah. state of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think they, you know, that three way was really good. Yeah, great finish. Yes, although, you know, I I'll bag on Meltzer when I disagree with him, but I should compliment him when he's right. One thing that when I listen to Wrestling Observer Radio. On uh, Tuesday, he was really harping on is they beat champions way too much in non-title situations, and he's completely correct about that. Yeah, no, I agree, and it seems like they're getting worse about that. Yeah, the <laughs> iconic situation is like insane. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, they're losing on TV every week now since they won the title. I'm Sasha Banks. I'm like, you freaking took the title off me for this. Yeah, <laughs> and this is why she hasn't come back. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, I, I agree. That's been a problem for a while. Do uh, we think AJ has any chance of beating Rollins? I think no. that's it. Okay, no. yeah. And, and that's what I think to me, why it's not something you necessarily build toward. I, I just don't, you know, hopefully they deliver that match quality. But yeah, you know, I, I don't think anyone buys AJ as winning that match. So hopefully it's very good. Yeah. That, but that's not what that match is for. That, Like you said, that's just all they need to do is put on a quality match. That's all that bench needs to do. Yeah. And this is a show money in the bank where obviously, you know, neither title match really needs to, I guess, be the draw per se. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, not a good thing if neither of them are a draw, but you know, I, I think this is just really the right call for this. I mean, as far as title matches go, they're putting it on Becky's shoulders here. Two title matches, which we, we talked about. Well, that's, that's weird. Two title matches, huh? Hmm. Yeah. We talked about that right here on the show. And when I say we, I mean, Justin Joint brought up that, uh, hey, there's an easy way to get one of the belts off of her. She's got to defend both in one night. Eventually, she's going to have to drop one of them. So uh, she's going to be working Lacey Evans to uh, defend the Raw title. And then the SmackDown title gets Charlotte. So double duty for Miss Becky Two Belts. What do you guys think of that nickname, by the way? When they come it's out, nice, and they talk. it's nice to see that they're uh, able to say belts again. That's yeah, funny. she she got belts back on TV. <laughs> I don't love it, but whatever. I mean, I guess it's it's catchy enough. We'll see. You know, yeah. sell some T-shirts. How do we think they're going to book this situation? Do we think she's going to lose a title 
If so, which one would it be, and how would you do it? I I would uh, have her beat Lacey Evans and then lose the SmackDown title to Charlotte. But actually, I would have her win both matches and at the next pay-per-view, then have her drop one. I think that's very interesting because I think it's too early. So we had talked about this when the Becky-Lacey feud was birthed, correct? That there was kind of a booking conundrum there in the sense that, let's just say you had Becky working Lacey at the show. It was not, she Becky wasn't working twice. She was just working Lacey. It's clearly too early to have Becky just lose her one match at a pay-per-view. But you also don't want to be beating Lacey, you're, who you presumably view as a star down the road. And this is her first big match, right? Mm-hmm. So this whole situation with having two title matches, to me, I think you can do a non-finish with Becky and Lacey. And then do what you will with Becky and Charlotte. I, the only issue is, okay, let's say you have late. Look, there's some issues at play here that I hope they're thinking. I thought of this earlier today. If Becky loses one of the top, just one of the titles. Okay. She can't in storyline have any revenge on that person because she's not on the same show anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, yeah. And that's, that's what's concerning is because, you know, she didn't actually beat Charlotte for the SmackDown title. You know, she doesn't, I don't think she has a very good track record uh, against Charlotte. So if you have Charlotte beat her, like you said, she can't get anything back from it. Um, and then the other thing I just kind of thought of is like, there's not a lot of great opponents on Raw for Becky either to have a long championship run. No, I, no, I mean, they've got to do that feud with Lacey. Yeah. No, I, that's interesting though, because so. She would be on SmackDown though, right? She never left SmackDown. So if she I lost mean, if she I lost mean, the belt to Charlotte and then retained the Raw title, she could technically be on both. Right? No, I don't think no, they won't say that. They'll just say she's on Raw. I think I don't she think she never I, switched she never switched rosters though. I mean, she was a SmackDown talent. The only reason she's on Raw is because she has the Raw belt. And she didn't in the shakeup, she did her contract didn't go to Raw or anything. You know, Kevin yeah, Owens. But, Kevin Owens was a Raw guy all last year, and then he magically showed up on SmackDown without explanation. <laughs> That's true, but I mean, I'm, I'm saying if she lost one title, the one that she could still have a, a right to show up for and go after, I guess, would be the SmackDown title because technically she's still a SmackDown star. I, I, get like, what you're, I get what you're saying, but like that that Raw women's division is thin it is thin and i think that's that's a problem if i was going to have her lose one of the titles i'd have her lose to lacey evans i'd have her have a grueling match with charlotte retain and then drop it to lacey lacey's a new star but that kind of gives them an out like look becky wasn't fresh but then it makes less lacey look good because she's got a title right off the bat kind of like you know Paige did early on i guess that was her first night on the main roster what do you do with lacey then because i think if, That's what I'm saying. That's the inherent problem, though, is because they don't have a lot of talent on Raw. But if if I had it, like if in a in a vacuum, if I had to choose one of the two to drop the title to, I wouldn't do Charlotte because Lacey's the one you got to make right now. But yeah, you get the belt on Lacey, and then what do you do? So I, I don't. Know. I would. Yeah, I, honestly, I would have her. I think it's too early. You know, you made a big deal about this winner take all scenario at WrestleMania. I think it's too early to take one of the belts off of her. 
Yeah, but she can't she can't beat Lacey clean. I would not have no, that happen. No, I, I would not do that either. I think you could do a deal where, again, like I said, having her Becky work twice, you could do kind of a screwy non-finish with the in the Lacey match and give the crowd a you know a standard good match with a clean finish against Charlotte where she beats Charlotte. Yeah, I could see that. What do we think about how Becky's been booked in this? Now that she is a floating champion, is it? Do you run the risk of overexposure? Like, I get what they're going to say. People are going to say, well, she's the Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion. She has to be on both shows. My question to that is, does she? Every week she has to be on both shows? I think overexposure is already starting to happen with her because we've talked about this texting each other. Um, you look at her promos, like, she's got to talk on every show now, it seems like twice a week. And when she was coming out, when this whole push started and she wouldn't really say much, but she would emphatically say something and the crowd would pop. It was cool. But now that she has to come out for like the planned segments constantly, her promos have really suffered. And she's been doing kind of like this kind of goofy comedy here and there. And it hasn't it really has not been as special as it was back in the fall, I would say, certainly. Um, and so I think, I think the overexposure is already starting to happen. I mean, I just think that's tough because it's the whole, I mean, even in a kayfabe sense, like she's gone from hunter to hunted, you know, it's like, you know, she, that whole character was what was making work is, and it was mirrored in reality being held down, you know, she was being held down, looked over, whatever you want to say, whatever the silly term you want to use is, but like now she's got the titles. So I think there is a certain edge, the character was going to lose regardless. But I do think there has been kind of some silliness, like that SmackDown promo. When all, uh, what was it? The week of the shakeup, all the women were brawling and she's just standing there like, Oh, hey, I guess they all like to brawl. Oh, it's, um, it's, a, it's a problem too, with what we talked about earlier about, they don't have to talk all the time, but that is television time. They got to fill up TV. They got so many hours of TV. So you send her out there. You got to go out there and talk for five, 10 minutes. So this is actually reminds me of when they first did the brand split back in 2002. And I had a discussion with someone in a previous, I think I've mentioned this before, Buck Woodward, who no longer writes for PW Insider. He hasn't written there in some time. We didn't agree on a lot of things back then. But one thing we agreed on is the whole thing with the brand split is really for the writers. Like a disciplined booking office could say, all right, we have two TV shows. Let's read the temperature of the room. You know, sometimes maybe some people be on both shows every week. Sometimes some people will not be on either. Sometimes one person will be on one. You know, they could be on Raw one week, SmackDown. To me, it's just a way for the writing team to stay organized. Like, okay, you guys have these guys. You guys have these guys. And to me, if you're just disciplined with how you book Becky, you don't have to just throw her out on both shows every week. You know, and they're doing the same thing with the Iconics. Like, I thought the whole idea of having floating champions as both single tag team is one week, you know, one show gets the Becky. One week, one show gets the Iconics, and then vice versa. And then it, it kind of is fresher because you don't know who's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just my opinion. I'm Maybe somebody has a counter that's a lot more intelligent. But I've just always viewed that with the brand split, that if you're disciplined enough, you don't have to kind of have this assigned teams scenario. And that's the way I've always felt about the brand split, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, well, we saw some people, speaking of the brand split, moving back and forth this week. 
And so we we knew we talked about this last week that Joe was likely headed to Raw. I mean, we saw Balor go to SmackDown, so they're going to switch those mid card titles. And Joe was was uh, legit sick the week of the yeah. Super Crush Jacob, so yep. they held him off TV. He he was going to be on Raw last week. Yeah, and then we've got uh, the apparent breakup of the Bar Cesaro, possibly getting a singles push now. Justin. You're pretty vocal. You wanted to talk about this on the show. Uh, what do you think about Cesaro this week? Well, I mean, because for those that don't know, this is partially because of our text thread where I was very into Cesaro getting the win. And part of that was just because like, it was uh, Cedric Alexander's debut on Raw, well, his new debut on Raw. And then like as soon as Cesaro came out, I was like, oh, well, Cesaro's going to eat the L here for Cedric. And then he ended up winning and just, I don't know, just like he had the new uh, video package and which was not great, but, <laughs> and he came out to Seamus's music and mostly it's just the mark in me. There's, I mean, I, I love Seth Rollins. I love Finn Balor. I love uh, Cesaro. Like Cesaro's like, you know, since Kofi got the big win, Cesaro's the, the last one that I would love to get a, 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 see him get a push. Do I think it's actually happening? No, uh, but it's just something I would love to see. And, and, and they have stuff they could use because in real life, he is he's good friends with uh, Seth Rollins. So have him win money in the bank and betray Seth Rollins, you know, maybe build the friendship up going into that event. Or I don't know. I'm just a Mark who loves uh, the Swiss Superman. <laughs> well said. Uh, a lot of movement, though, overall on the roster this week. Yeah. We had Andrade go back to SmackDown, which was apparently at the request of Fox. Um, for the Latino uh, market. Was it or was it the request of Charlotte Flair? And by the way, all the people who emailed in to Brian Alvarez during Wrestling Observer Live thinking that was a bad thing are tools. <laughs> well, uh, someone is either PW Insider or The Observer. I, I know they want to keep them together, but there was a report that uh, Andrade was wanted by Fox because of their uh, Latino. What, what's the channel? Fox Fox Sports, uh, whatever is marketed to Spanish speaking countries that they wanted Andrade for that. So, mm. yeah, I just read that a little bit ago, okay. um, but they are trying to keep couples together. So with Charlotte, you know, and we talk about doing things like extending contracts and all that's not nice. I mean, that's the right thing to do. I mean, when Andrade showed up on Raw last week, was that not the first thing you thought of? Like, well, I guess him and Charlotte are on the same show. Well, yeah, I the domino effect I read with this one was that with Andrade and then also, of course, Zelina Vega going back to SmackDown. That's why Alistair Black, since they are actually married, was then sent to SmackDown. And so you got Ricochet and him broken up now, which I expected to happen. In the yeah, first we place. yeah, yeah, for sure. We we talked about that. Now, I wouldn't mind. I think I said right when they were brought up, I thought maybe they're being wasted as a tag team because they they're. I think their ceilings are pretty high, both as singles competitors, especially Ricochet. Um, but I, you know, I, I kind of warmed up to the tag team thing, and I, I could have seen them together a little while longer. But at the same time, you know, they're going to do good things here. Now it was a little questionable to see Ricochet lose. Uh, I got some. T- I got thoughts on that. Yeah, um, but that, I mean, that's what I had read as far as the breakup there was largely due to Andrade going to SmackDown. Yeah, that's what then, I had read too. Yeah, and then um, so the black goes. Along yeah, I want to talk about a lot of these guys. Actually, back to Cesaro. I think Cesaro is quite, uh, not quite possibly, but is the greatest tag team wrestler of his era. 
Amen. I'm, you're not going to give an argument saying, and, and there are like people who like view that as a slight, and that's just sad, in my opinion. I mean, that's just poor analysis. I, he is, but I, I would like to see him get a run as a single. I feel he's in the wrong promotion though for that, and the wrong era. Ironically, I feel Cesaro would have been a great 1990s WCW television champion. Again, that's not a slight. Like, when you think about great 1990s WCW television champions, you think of Regal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Arn I mean, Anderson. I, yeah, Arn Anderson. You know, I've compared, you know, in terms Stunning of. Stunning Steve Austin. Yes, in terms of great, you know, tag team. I've compared Cesaro to, you know, say, he's this generation's Bobby Eaton. Again, look, look, the guys we're comparing to are great. He does, just because he's very talented and probably deserves to be pushed more than he is, doesn't mean he should be the world champion. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I'd like to see him get pushed, but I don't think, I, I just don't think he'll ever get into a main event mix as a single. Uh, with Ricochet, he should not have lost to Robert Roode. And I'm going to tell you why. As, what in the world are we doing? Do I see on my screen here? <laughs> if you were watching on Patreon with us right now, you would see Justin Joint is showing a television. What is, I'm trying to switch it on here. I can't tell. That's Vader. Did, Vader. He throw on, did he throw on Clash 29? That's what I did. Nice. Oh, I love it. Um. <laughs> Okay, yeah, with Ricochet, all right, here's the issue, okay? So, WWE wants to push Robert Rude, okay? And so, I think a reaction from some people is like, okay, we'll just have him beat someone else, not Ricochet, right? Ricochet has all this momentum, he's getting getting over, why? why are you just randomly beating Ricochet? Well, WWE may respond, well, we want him to get impactful in. Okay. So rather than viewing this in a vacuum as it pertains to Ricochet, the issue here is actually Robert Roode because whether, you, whether you're concerned about Ricochet or you just don't like Robert Roode, the issue is, does anyone think they're going to really go all the way or anywhere important with Robert Roode? No, it's, it's ridiculous because I they're like both give of these up on it. Yeah, I like I like both of these guys a lot. But if you look at the two of them, which of them has the higher ceiling? If anyone would say Robert Roode in that situation, throw him in a room with four padded white walls because there's no chance that the ceiling's higher for Robert Roode than Ricochet at this stage after Roode's been in the company for a while. So and the problem is the damage has been done with Robert Roode. You know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's been there. He, he's not gonna. Ricochet still has a chance to be a very a top top star. He's got momentum. He's super talented. The fans are into him. And everything about him on the main roster was he'd been booked completely correctly. Yes. They had not actually screwed it up. You yes. know, this is one of the things. You know, there, there's a lot of criticisms about WWE. I think some are fair, some are unfair. One that is absolutely fair is when they just decide all of a sudden we're going to push this guy and our misbooking of him in the past no longer applies. When that's just false, people watched it, and it does apply. And with Robert Roode, Bobby Roode, whatever you want to call him, they just, I mean, the first year was a disaster. Plus was a disaster. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, the why he was brought up as a baby face is just beyond me. I mean, the word was Vince McMahon was kind of like initially not impressed with him. Like when he first came to the main roster, and he just got like, you know, kind of hosed. But like, you know, this whole idea is like, 
he's Robert Rude now, and by God, you're going to take him seriously. Like, I just feel that's bad writing. Yeah. Like, like, like there was nothing, there's no reason all of a sudden in a kayfabe sense that he should be better. Yeah. You know why? Because he has a fucking mustache. You know, like I mean, like <laughs> that's the story. That's the yeah, whole like story. he has a mustache and he has a serious first name now. <laughs> he's he's more like Rick Rude now. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> tangent has been drawn. Yeah, so like that's the thing. Like if if they actually were serious about pushing him, then fine. It's a this is a moot point. This discussion. But my issue is, in six weeks, where do we think Robert Rude is going to be? In six months. Where do we think Robert Roode's going to be? Is he going to really be elevated on the card? Probably not. And so that's what's frustrating, I think, is when, you know, and again, I think this is a fair criticism. Fans see this and say, we're going to look back at this in six months and be like, why the fuck did they beat Ricochet like that? And six months from now, we're going to be like, why the fuck did they beat Ricochet like that? So, yeah. 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 Two things. One, you should really you the listener should really join patreon because when kyle gets like in the tangent like that and gets really hot he leans into the camera and like i mean he really goes after it <laughs> and, and two boy this crowd is hot for uh dustin Rhodes and this, yes! this clash of champions crowd yes yes if that's if that's not a big enough sell for patreon i don't know what if you don't if you don't want to see Kyle Ross really getting after it and going after it, then there is something wrong with you. I was, I was, I, I took about on 30 minutes, 45 minutes as I often do during the week and thought about this great sport. I, I got real fired up thinking about this ricochet losing because there's a lot of things I roll my eyes at when WWE fans complain about. But man, I just, just somebody who was getting over just being thrown out there and losing is just, is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like Drew, Drew McIntyre, why did he lose to Dolph Ziggler that one random Raw? I know we're not supposed to remember this, but I fucking do. <laughs> and it does matter. So, yeah, I don't know. It, like, you know, and it plus it basically is teaching your audience, this guy who was getting over as his tag team. But like people were also appreciating them both individually. Oh, well, you're great tag team. Wrestler, but he blo- All right, here's his first big singles match. What does he do? He loses to a guy who you've been who the audience has been trained to think is a jobber to the stars and yeah. Robert root just in my opinion, lack of foresight. Yeah. Hard to argue with anything you said, Kyle Ross. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> Speaking of, and we also can't, you know, somebody else I've been thinking about as I often do during the week is gender. Oh my goodness. <laughs> gender. <laughs> gender. Was, gender back. You know, I was thinking about gender. You know what the problem with gender is? Don't don't exists. yeah, don't save his wrestling. Okay. I mean it's not great, but okay. It's a JBL syndrome with gender. And I thought this, and maybe I brought this up when he was initially pushed in that championship role. You know, the, the problem with JBL was always as a single, was always his and I'm and for the record, gender is not as good a heel as JBL was, ended up being. But the trajectory. We talk about fresh coats of paint and WWE saying. Forget about what's happened in the past. Now you will take this guy seriously. The issue with JBL and what he never could overcome as a single, in my opinion, was when they just nuked him to that SmackDown title position and, like, the ratings just fell off a cliff. And, you know, that was always that stain on JBL's singles run. But really, if you look at him post-SmackDown title run, JBL, he was quite effective as a heel. He was a good heel. Wasn't great, 
not someone you build a brand or certainly a promotion on. He was a good professional wrestling heel, okay? Jinder, it's really the same thing. I think the stench of people like, why the hell was this guy made champion? is just going to kill him. And it's probably not fair. Like, to me, why don't you just, like, put him in a U.S. championship role? You know, and try out, oh, how does this guy work as a single? Does he get over? Do people care? And that way, if it doesn't really work out, you know, you don't have this. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought about that. When I saw Jinder coming out, it's a little fanfare. I just, I thought of Jinder and said, you know, that, that, I don't think that's on him. I think it's on the booking. Yeah, you know, I, I'll admit it, though. Back when he held the title, I actually liked that title run. I thought it was fresh. Not, not, no, it went on It went on a little too long. I'll say that. But the first little bit of it, I liked it. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, he projected as a star. Great physique, too. <laughs> Honestly, one of the, the uh, wrestling shows that I had the most fun at that I've ever went to was a house show when Jinder was champion, and he wrestled Randy Orton in the main event. <laughs> and me and my friends that were there wildly cheered for Jinder Mahal in that match while all the crowd al- around us was cheering for Randall Orton. <laughs> Just because, but, uh, because it was Randy Orton he was wrestling with. And this yeah. was when Randy Orton was at his, you know, Twitterverse worst. And yeah. so we were wildly cheering for and, and you know, that, that feud did Jinder no favors, I think, because it was one of those deals where he beat Orton for the title and no one bought the baby face getting revenge. So yeah. that just leads to apathy. Yeah. Oh, again, that's that wasn't on gender. Justin, was I at that show with you? That was the yep. house show here. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> gender well, Mahal. I gotta say, I think it's a travesty that Kevin Owens turned heel and Bray Wyatt, you know, introduced a new character, and we're fucking talking about Gender Mahal. <laughs> he was in my notes. Damn it! Hey, Which we're gonna come back to Kevin Owens in just a second, but I I did pull up on oh. my um. Oh. And did I? Did I not? I didn't write Bray in my notes because we obviously have to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, real quick, though, before I forget, I pulled up on my iPad here the whole thing with Andrade and Zelina. The t- there was two reports on that that we were talking about a minute ago. So PW Insider uh, reported that Fox directly requested Andrade and Vega to be on the blue brand because they wanted to highlight WWE's Latin American stars on Fox Deportes once SmackDown Live moved to Fox. And then on the Observer, Meltzer also reported WWE is trying to accommodate couples better, and uh, and that's why that's another reason he was moved over is because of the Charlotte Flair that they're dating right now. And then he goes into uh, Alistair Black, obviously with him and Vega married, they were going to be on the same brand. So, got Andrade and Charlotte, by the way. Got to keep Becky on Raw, then. That's true. Her and but, Seth, yeah. uh, Andrade and Charlotte, they were. You know, they they look like they were having so much fun. My hat's off to <laughs> Not engaged. Not engaged, though. Charlotte was quick to okay. put out a statement about that because she was spotted yeah. wearing a ring. A- a- am I completely bonkers on this? Yes, probably. The way, okay, the way the camera shot Zelina Vega's reaction and Corey Graves' commentary post-match after Andrade lost to Finn Balor at SmackDown, did you get any sense that they might be breaking that act up in lieu of the information, despite the information Ryan has just shared that, you know, Fox kind of wants to highlight these people? I I kind of got that sense. Like, Corey Graves is like, you know, I think you got to pin this one, you know, who's, and he's the heel commentator. Tell me you just saw the clothesline, Ryan, uh, 
Justin. No, it was like a top rope DDT on Vader from Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> How good oh is this God. match, by the way? How good is Clash? <laughs> now I know what I'm watching when we're done recording. <laughs> yeah. This while I edit this bot this, this podcast, is this is gonna be on in the background. Um, you guys keep going. I'm done for the podcast. Okay. <laughs> but like, did you get that sense? Like Corey Graves was the heel commentator. Like, you know, I you know, to be fair, I, I think you gotta put this on Selena Vega. And they showed her like overacting after the match, like, oh no, I've screwed up again. Maybe I'm out to lunch on that. Maybe they just wanted to do it and it won't be followed up on. But, you know, given that he just lost to the Intercontinental Champion, like, where do you go from there now that he's back on SmackDown? And, huh, something to maybe watch. I could be wrong. Money in the Bank winner. Mm, yeah, I could see it. I would love, God, I, he's hurt, though, so I guess he's not going to do it. I would, I love the idea of Big E winning Money in the Bank and there being friction in the new day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the new day. Speaking of that, Kevin Owens, um, his new feud. Now he's going to be the first challenger. It looks like for Kofi Kingston. Yeah, and uh, that babyface uh, Kevin Owens run sure came to a quick end. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Daniel Bryan's injury kind of played yeah. in that. Um, I read earlier today there was uh, a lot of different opponents being considered for Kofi, but uh, ended up going the Kevin Owens route and the, and the turn. I mean, I think we all saw this coming. I didn't see it coming this early, but uh, I don't know. I know. I know. We talked over. about it on the show. It got over. We know. We talked about it on the show. Owens is a pretty good baby face. He's relatable for a lot of the crowd. You know, he's just an average guy. He looks like just an average fan, but. Uh, he is a really good heel, so I I can't be too upset. He he is such a good heel, but uh, right, what what did you guys think of the turn, Justin? Yeah, I w- I was looking forward to a babyface run, Kevin Owens, but he is such a a good heel, and it made sense, especially with like the really weird situation with Daniel Bryan, whatever's going on with him, like just a do Kofi and Owens that it makes sense to me. And um, I can't foresee him actually getting the title, but uh, I guess that depends on what they do with the story here. Well, I'll tell you what he's not doing. Well, maybe he's there, but I saw his wife is in Maui, Hawaii right now filming total divas or something. So lucky her, if Brian's at home while she's there, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um. Look, I, I, for months, maybe even years, said my Kevin Owens has a great baby face run in him. You know, I, I think that he, it, you know, for years, this is always the case. When you're really good as a heel, what happens? You eventually become a baby face because the crowd respects your heel work mm-hmm. and you have to become a baby. You know, if, if you know, I, I've said this, when heels get, you deserve it chance when they win world titles, they're not heels anymore. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They're baby faces. And and that's where Owens had got to. So I really wanted to see him get this baby face run. But I'm not going to fault WWE on this one at all. From Kevin Owens' character perspective, tell me if I get real far into this one. An intense, Justin. I might. I might. Oh, he's, he's, he's he is leaning, leaning into folks. the camera. He's leaning leaning folks. I feel it. I feel it. He's getting flushed. Um, okay. <laughs> from his from the Kevin Owens character perspective, there is a story to be told here that he. And it's based in reality. He very much kind of got, quote unquote, shafted by Kofi Kingston getting over. You know, Kofi getting over, winning the title. That was very much at Kevin Owens' character's expense. You know, or I don't even know if characters, but, you know, Kevin Owens, the person's expense. Because KO was originally planned uh, 
as Daniel Bryan's main opponent, if you believe the dirt sheets. So, you know, Owens has that to go mm-hmm. off of, character-wise. And then you have thrown the Daniel Bryan injury. I think a lot of people figured, well, okay, Kofi beat Bryan. They'll just come back with a rematch at Money in the Bank. Well, if Bryan can't work, that's a huge void. You need to do something. Um, Owens was kind of directionless. I mentioned that last week as a babyface because he, you know, the plans the plans change. So he was thrown into the spot. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to turn. The crowd was hot for it. It was a deal. It was the it was that good kind of heat. Like even though it was obvious, and I think a lot of people saw it coming, the crowd didn't want it to happen. Yeah. You know, kind of they're like, oh, you goddamn son of a bitch, Kevin Owens. <laughs> you know, it, it was it was a real good heat. Um, his reactions, his facials were really good. Um, so yeah. He's got to be loving every second of this because here's a guy you talked about it a minute ago. He comes back from the injury thinking he's getting the WrestleMania title shot. It's taken away because obviously Kofi had all the momentum and that was the right decision. But for him, as you just said, Kyle, he was floating out there with really nothing. I and mean, he's doing the, the New Day thing the last couple of weeks and doing some comedy and stuff, but directionless. Yeah, and that here was going to the title picture again. I, yeah, that would have gotten old. Yeah, so um, he's back to his old heel character, which is awesome. I have no problem with that. And now he's in an important spot on the card. Um, apparently, thing, go ahead. Uh, say one thing. To Justin's point, the only thing is if he doesn't win the title, which I don't think he will, then, okay, you've turned, you've just turned him heel and he didn't win the title. Like, it'll be interesting to see where he goes then from there. Yeah. Well, according to Dave Meltzer, the other opponents considered, he says that they were going to do the rematch of Money in the Bank with Brian before the injury. Um, but he said other opponents considered for Kofi were Orton, Eric Rowan, Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Samoa Joe before finally going with Kevin Owens. Uh, so some of those rumored names obviously were before the uh, the shakeup decisions were finalized, but uh I think I think I think Owens is a great first challenger for Kingston, and I'm looking forward to the match. So yeah, and, and Owens has not like lost like a high profile match since he's been back. Like the problem with Orton, I got and, and you know I know there's dozens of examples where they just breeze by it and it doesn't matter. But like McIntyre and Orton coming off high profile losses at Mania, that seems a little cold. Corbin, look, I'll. Go down to my dying day. I think he's a good heel too, a good mid-card heel, but it's a proven fact. People don't want to see him in main events, so that wouldn't have been a good thing. Joe would have been an interesting one um, coming off Squash and Ray. Um, So I I think, you know, among the options, he was the only other viable one. Yeah. Uh, Before we wrap this up, guys, anything else you want to talk about Money in the Bank? We had Roman versus Elias here on on the format sheet. Yeah, The Heartland of America, by the way, we should say. The crowds this week on TV were very much how WWE would want every crowd to be, I think, kind of. God bless mm-hmm. you guys over in the heartland. Um, but, you know, both, you know, uh, you guys in Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, they, they were chanting Roman. I mean, that was a strong Roman crowd. But this Elias program is is about as ho-hum as it gets, isn't it? Like, I feel like we've seen that match on Raw a million times. Yeah, yeah. I think somebody tweeted, this is the rawsiest feud ever, and now it's being brought to SmackDown. And it's also a clear signal that we are going Roman Reigns, traditional babyface. And I talked about this last week. Interesting thing about SmackDown is the dichotomy of Kofi Kingston, who was clearly 
the top babyface coming out of WrestleMania. And now you have Roman on the same brand who is sort of positioned by the company or they kind of want to be the top babyface. So it's, it's interesting. Roman's in the program against the McMahon. He lays out Vince. He's, you know, getting a promo with Shane this week. So yeah, that was my, that was my big fear about Roman going to SmackDown is that my hope was SmackDown would make his feuds interesting uh, because SmackDown is to me so much superior to raw and I'm afraid Roman Reigns might make SmackDown a little bit more Rosy. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I mean, hope not, because I got to cover SmackDown for yeah. for a well, comicbook.com. Okay, you know we always we talked about this, and it was true for Cena too. Uh, Roman Reigns and John Cena matches and programs are always at their most interesting. And you know we can always talk about the split crowds with Cena and Roman, and it applies here when everybody in the crowd has someone they're passionately cheering for. I know you know WWE, you know, do they like these split reactions? Do they not? I don't know, but it's always a more interesting match in program when you know a Cena or a Roman works against you know a CM Punk or a Daniel Bryan or an AJ Styles. You know the crowd's hot. You know you, everybody's got somebody they're rooting for in that crowd. This, it's just sort of like more tepid with Roman. It's like, yeah, go get Elias. <laughs> and, and something, Very uninspired. I, something that Roman Reigns, I, I, this was another thing that got me hot. Roman Reigns should not be trading punches with Shane McMahon. No. no. Okay, say what you will about Roman Reigns. Even if you don't like Roman Reigns, that I don't care. Roman Reigns should not be selling punches for. I mean, he did get a quick comeback, but he shouldn't even be selling punches for Shane McMahon for one second. He no. should not sell one Shane McMahon punch. No, that's a good way to delegitimize one of your main eventers pretty quickly. It was supposed to be a powerhouse selling mm-hmm. punches from a fifty-year-old non-athlete. So I would agree. Uh, the only other thing I had in our format sheet was briefly was the the CM Punk thing. Getting into a wrestling ring in Milwaukee with a mask on—that was kind of surprising. And apparently, it's not even the first time that he's done it. You guys all saw this, I'm sure. Yes. So this is going to ramp up the rumors that he's warming up to a wrestling return. I think obviously, uh, when you look at AEW, if they could land a CM Punk, it would be massive. What is the general feeling on CM Punk in the IWC right now? Because you know he got like a lot of shit and for like the way him and Cole Cabana are apparently no longer friends. Like is. I know people chant CM Punk at WWE events, but I don't know if they're actually chanting for CM Punk or are, it's just like a protest chant. I don't I don't think the Colt Cabana thing would affect the pop he would get, you know, like for a yeah. surprise appearance in an AEW. I think the I think the crowd would just lose their shit <laughs> instantly just yeah. because he's been gone for so long and it would be a legitimate shock to see him return to wrestling and I mean, that's if you think about the people that AEW could get that they don't already have and they could that they could realistically get, that's probably like the top one, right? I mean, they got everybody else that mm-hmm. is realistic. Yeah. So I mean it'd be yeah. massive if they could get him and just the fact that he's he's done this stuff for MKE wrestling, uh Silas Young's promotion up in Milwaukee. I think it's a good sign if you want to see him want to see CM Punk back in a wrestling ring. And I, I think it's inevitable. I think it's going to happen eventually. Obviously, his MMA career has not panned out. Yeah, I did. What Meltzer <laughs> was that last week of the Observer? Meltzer wrote that 
he quiet punk quietly took place in a three-person bj uh bjj contest and placed third yeah i mean it's not working out it's cool that i you know i don't fault the guy he went after his dream not a lot of people have an opportunity to do that and he uses connections to do so and that's that but for a guy who was one of the great performers of his generation and made such an impact on people in the last decade Mm -hmm. wrestling's where it's at and with this new thing going on with all elite wrestling that's a really exciting opportunity that i think he should take advantage of so hopefully that happens and i gotta say i fucking love a masked man gimmick man so he said do you love me and she says no but that's a real nice ski mask <laughs> I love masked men. I guess Jim Cornette, uh, buddy, passed this along because I had that same reaction when a buddy sent me the video. I'm like, God, I love masked men gimmicks. And my buddy sent me, like, Jim Cornette, I guess, went off on his show one time about how WWE hates masked men gimmicks and, like, and just trained the audience to think it's like a job or something like that. But, um, God, when was the last time we had a great masked man gimmick? We need to bring that back. Hmm. Like, who um, is it? If, if you could ever do an angle where it's like, who is this guy and get the internet buzzing? Like, who is this mass man? That would be great. Cesaro. Yeah. But what's the payoff? <laughs> like, Oh my God, it's Cesaro. Like, I mean, like he becomes like world a, champion. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, real quick. I, we're running long here, guys, but I, I've, I've legit been super curious as to your reactions to Bray Wyatt. Yeah, we do have to talk about this. Mm, awful. Really? Yeah, don't like it. Okay, see, like, all. I my initial my initial reaction was you, but then I saw you know I saw it again on SmackDown, mm-hmm. and I, I'm still concerned about it because I don't know how that because I think the vignette was good, right? You know the the the, the Wee's Bray House was good, but I don't know how that translate to a live show, like when he actually shows up and. And yeah, I don't know. Just just actually being on Raw or SmackDown or whatever, I just I have some deep concerns. It is not a main event gimmick. That is for sure. Uh, it is <laughs> understatement not of the okay. uh, year right there. Okay, Bray. We talk about. We I think I've used this phrase three or four times on the show. Fresh coat of paint. Bray Wyatt needed a fresh coat of paint. The old character was done. It was not working. I, I would have loved a Bray Wyatt more based in realism. This is not that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to reserve judgment to see how it goes to see how, because, you know, we talk about this a lot with NXT. By the way, I heard the last two, I haven't got a chance to watch it. I heard the last two weeks of NXT TV have been absolutely fantastic. So I'm making, you talk about what you were going to watch after this the show. I'm going to make it a point to watch those two shows. I've heard they're absolutely fantastic, but pre-tape versus live. Let's see how this translates in front of a live crowd the gimmick you know it's one thing to watch it pre-tape vignettes you know people are tweeting about it but what does that mean um i'm interested to see i I will not shit on it right away but my first reaction wasn't necessarily like "ooh" or i hate this it was this is definitely not a main event gimmick yeah it's it's just one of those things where like it was it was he was fine before it was just the booking that killed him you know, it's just like they built him up every, every time and then he'd lose to John Cena or Dean Ambrose or Roman Reigns. He's or plateaued. That's the word I think plateaued for, for him because he, he was a heel and he would like lose all of his feuds. 
And then it was getting to the point where a lot of the guys weren't coming up better of for it, like even the baby faces. And his promos were so empty. Mm-hmm. I thought like he had good delivery, but like I feel like if you would put if like closed captioning had a sense of humor and you put it on during a Bray Wyatt promo, it would just say the word words <laughs> on the screen because that's all it was. It was like these well-delivered words, but it meant nothing. It's like, I am the eater of worlds. I am all this stuff. It's like, what the fuck does any of that mean? Why do I, the listener, give a shit about any of this? Yeah. You know, let's, let's just like come up with a bunch of alliterative phrases. I lost my voice. Well, <laughs> I agree. You needed a, a change of paint, and we'll see how this turns out. But my initial reactions are, are much like yours. Not a very high ceiling for this type of a character, and I didn't like. I did not care for what I saw this week. But we'll we'll see what they do next week for it. So, guys, throw us a follow on Twitter at Top Rope Nation. You can uh, send in your emails. Let us know what you think of the show. If you got a question for us to read on the air, topropenation at gmail.com. And uh, you can find us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Just search Top Rope Nation. I'll show up there. And like I said earlier in the show, patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Anything you can pledge to help out the show, we'd greatly appreciate it. And if you want that free T-shirt, five bucks will get you a free T-shirt, a sticker, and all the bonus content. Try it out. See if you like it. We'd love to have you stick with us. If you cancel after one month, hey, that's fine, too. You got your Top Rope Nation sticker. So you can do it at patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Justin and Kyle, I hope you enjoy your post-show wrestling watching. Yeah, everybody go watch Dustin Rhodes first, Big Van Vader, Clash of Champions 29. I'm turning it on as I edit this, so that's already determined for me. The rest of the show, you may want to skip. Oh, yeah, skip it. I saw Honky Talks <laughs> on that fucking show. Only watch Dustin Rhodes versus Big Van Vader. Uh, the award-winning WWE Network, which is apparently getting a relaunch in the coming months. That was another thing that was on the conference I call have today. some concerns. Yeah, that's we can talk about that one next week because, uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. All right, guys. Uh, so, again, hit us up on Twitter at Top Rope Nation. We'll talk to you next week with episode 96. And at that point, we're going to un- unveil some details about what we got planned for our 100th episode coming up here in late May. If you'd like to get the listeners involved, you can let us know your thoughts on Top Rope Nation. We'd like to play kind of a, a stream of listener comments on that show for our big anniversary show. We'll give you all the details next week. Until then, have a good weekend. Catch you guys next time. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.